It's time for the Access Health Radio Question and Answer Show. Welcome to the Access Health Radio Show. I'm Dr. Brian Forrest, and this week we will be discussing questions that we have received so far over the last year and the answers to them on Access Health Radio. And as always, we like to acknowledge the companies that support Access Health Radio. We'd like to thank Marley Drug in Winston-Salem for supporting our show. They mail order generic medications directly to your home with free shipping at costs that are often much lower than even the big box pharmacies. Check them out at MarleyDrug.com. And Dr. Forrest, people always have questions after the show. They like to find out more information about a topic that you've talked about. And oftentimes they want more information about your practice. Where can they find that information? Well, after the show, listeners can go to uh, WPTF.com, and they can actually listen to an on-demand podcast there, and we will also provide links to that on our landing page at AccessHealthRadio.com. If they'd like information about our medical practice in Apex, North Carolina, they can go to ACC Health, that's A-C-C-H-E-A-L-T-H.com, or they can call 919-363-0190. Again, that's 919 919- 363-0190. And if listeners want to, just like today's show, if they want to send us general uh, non-emergent medical questions and possibly have those answered on the show, they can go to our website at accesshealthradio.com or send an email directly to accesshealthradio at gmail.com. Just make sure to include your contact information uh, so we can uh, have that when we answer it on the air. Now, usually on our Sunday afternoon program here, we like to focus on one topic. But today, we're, we're sort of blowing things up, and we're going to be talking about a lot of different topics, taking some of the most asked questions that Dr. Forrest has received over the last year. And remember, you can submit your future questions for the show as well. That's accesshealthradio.com. So, Doc, here is our first question of the day. And, of course, it's about the paleo diet. Everybody seems to be talking about that. What exactly is the paleo diet that everyone's talking about? Well, the paleo diet, or what some people refer to as the caveman diet, is based on the idea that much of what we currently eat that is making us unhealthy is because it was processed or cultivated. And the idea with the paleo or caveman diet is to eat only what you could eat if you were out wandering around in the woods, uh, roaming the land as a hunter-gatherer, and eating only what you came across in nature. Uh, So when you think about it, that means basically, you know, you can eat things like fresh berries, uh, nuts, uh, tree-based fruits like apples, and of course, you know, fish and meat. Um, It is a healthier way to eat since it eliminates all processed foods, and it relies on many foods that are actually from the DASH diet, which we've talked about on the show before. However, one thing to keep in mind with the paleo diet is that Um, You know, the weight loss that that you might get with this diet is based on being calorie restricted. So, you know, if you eat too many apples or you eat too much meat or you eat too many things that a caveman would eat, you might still have a weight problem. So one way to think about it is if you're really going to think about the analogy um, and sort of the concept of this is think about if you were a caveman walking around what a typical day would be like for you. You know, you'd stumble on, you know, maybe a few berries you could pick. You might 
you know, stumble across a, a wild apple tree. You might stumble on a nut tree, uh, but you're not going to have like a jar of uh, peanuts. Uh, you're not going to stumble on that. In fact, anything you find, you're going to have to process yourself. You're going to have to shell any nuts. You're going to have to pick those apples. And when you think about the, the meat-based part of the diet, uh, you know, you're going to find things like uh, fish. You might be able to catch a fish once a day. Um, you know, back for cavemen back in those days, they were lucky if they got a fish per day. And then if you think about bigger, bigger game and, and meat that they might eat, you know, you might be lucky to catch a wild boar maybe once every month. So um, it doesn't just mean eat all the meat and the natural foods you can because that still could have too much calories. But if you sort of think about the portions sizes that would have been available you know back in the caveman days as way as well that really helps uh, sort of as a good concept of how the paleo diet can be good for you and they've actually shown that it does have health benefits uh, and if you do it the right way and keeping the serving size in proportion it can actually help with uh, with weight loss and, and let me give one example so uh, there are several of these survival shows that you may have seen on TV. And, you know, one example of that is where they take and they put some people out in the middle of nowhere and they pretty much only provide them like, you know, a knife and a fire starter. And, you know, what, what always impresses me is that after three weeks on that show, the average weight loss for those folks, and again, they're able to eat anything they can find, anything they can catch, anything they can scrounge up in the wild, you know, in the jungle or, or what they can fish for. The average weight loss loss is over 40 pounds in three weeks for the men and almost 30 pounds in three weeks for the women that are on those shows. So, uh, you know, weight loss, if you're actually living like a caveman and living off what you can find, uh, can be pretty significant. Not to get too far uh, into this, because I know we have other, other questions, but is this diet good for everybody? Uh, you know, it, it's, it's good in the sense that the food is natural. Um, it not, might not be the perfect uh, diet for every single uh, person. Uh, you know, there may be some people that have uh, can't eat nuts. There may be some people that have uh, restrictions, may have some bowel issues with eating a lot of this roughage. Uh, one of the things to remember about cavemen that's different than our sort of modern day expectations is that back in the day, they used to, uh, you know, they used to go to the bathroom a lot more frequently than we did. So uh, on a diet like this, you know, they would be expected potentially uh, to go, you know, two to three times more per day uh, than what we go now. So it may not be for everybody, especially people that have had uh, digestive problems and that kind of thing. And of course, people should check with their doctor before starting some sort of diet plan. Isn't Absolutely. That That's always a great idea. All right. Here's our next question. What is the cheapest way to get prescription medications? That's a great question. Well, the answer to this question somewhat depends on the medication, but uh, there was actually a recent Consumer Reports article uh, that I thought was really impressive about this. I think it was about two issues ago, and it showed that the differences in cost for the identical medications can really be staggering. Uh, and for example, they, they uh, you know, uh, you might want to shop around places like uh, grocery stores, like Publix, and make sure there's not a free list because uh, many times there are some medications that are actually available for free. Um, and if it's not free, a lot of times checking around for lists of really inexpensive medications, like a $2.50 list, there's a lot of common prescriptions uh, that grocery store chains have for as little as $2.50 a month. And then there's sort of the infamous $4 list. So, you know, if something's on a free list or a $2.50 list or a $4 list, you're getting a pretty decent deal on it. Uh, 
On the other hand, if it's not on one of those lists, then usually you're going to get the best deal from a mail order pharmacy like Marley. Um, and that's going to be the, the least expensive way to get generics that aren't on those special lists. And if you're trying to get a brand name medication, then often going to warehouse clubs like Costco will be the least expensive um, way to do that. And it's important to know um, that you do not have to be a member at those warehouse clubs to actually get prescriptions filled there. Uh, and then lastly, the, you know, the last best way is sort of if you make less than sixty-five to $100,000 per year uh, and you're not on a medication drug plan, you can often get brand name drugs absolutely free uh, from the manufacturer through their patient assistance plans. And I'll actually put a link to a website that you can go to and actually use that to apply yourself uh, to get any of those patient assistance programs for any brand name medications you might be taking. Um, and I'll put that on accesshealthradio.com. And it might not often seem convenient, but I have patients getting their medications from multiple pharmacies so that they get the best price on each one. Um, and it really is worth the trouble. Consumer Reports showed that you could save as much as $2,000 per year per generic medication uh, just by following a strategy like that. Uh, and one of the interesting things they did uh, in that article is they took five people as secret shoppers and sent them out to 10 different pharmacy chains. And for example, you know, on the low end, uh, those five generic prescriptions were around $30 at a warehouse club and the same five generic prescriptions identically at what people would think of as a big bar, big box discount retailer were $500 plus a month for the same drugs. And when you went to the convenient sort of retail corner pharmacies, that price jumped up to nearly $1,000. So you're talking about you know, $30 range for a warehouse club or mail order, you know, the $500 range for the same five drugs, uh, you know, at somewhere that's a discounted big box store, all the way up to over $900 a month for those same five generics at some of what people consider sort of the convenient uh, corner stores. So it really does make a big difference. It really does. Okay, we're coming up on uh, break time, but I've got, I'm going to squeeze in one more question, and we're switching now from the cost of medicine and to the cost of medical care. This person wants to know, how much does the average doctor's office visit cost? Uh, yeah, that's a really complicated question. It shouldn't be, but medical costs in general are complicated and extremely variable. Uh, for example, on local TV news last week, I actually saw a story about a woman who was shocked by her bill just for a visit with her primary care doctor. She was charged $318 just for the office visit and another $388 for preventive care in that same visit for a total of over $600 for what the patient considered to be a routine visit. Now, obviously, after the TV reporter got involved, they reduced the bill to just that $318, but that was, that was for a, a charge without any lab work or any other services. And for comparison, you know, that same visit at our office for uh, a member of our practice would have been totally free. And for a patient that uh, was not a member at our office, the most expensive office visit we have is only $75. So there's obviously a lot of variability. 
I'm a proponent of price transparency in healthcare and think that all physicians and hospitals should list their prices for everything they charge for in a place that is publicly available. This way, people can actually have a chance to use the free market and make informed choices. Think about it. What if when you went to buy a car or to the grocery store, you had no idea what the price would be and only discovered how much it was when you drove the car off the lot? or after you ate the groceries. Nobody would put up with that, yet this is what in many cases it's like in healthcare pricing. Um, that's why at our network DPC practices, all of the prices are clearly listed for people to see, and in fact, most of them are on the website. Uh, we even provide price transparency for employers looking to provide coverage for employees. And essentially, the practices in our network provide all of the primary care for their employees for essentially $60 per employee per month. And that includes, you know, most of the labs and office visits and everything those patients have done at the office with no additional charge. And the only way to really get a handle on healthcare costs is to make people accountable and have complete price transparency so that there is competition to provide the best care at the best price. The same as with almost every other industry. Thanks a lot, Dr. Forrest. Straight ahead, more of your questions for Dr. Brian Forrest right here on Access Health Radio. Welcome back to Access Health Radio. I'm Mike Davis, and I am with Dr. Brian Forrest, board-certified family physician from Access Healthcare in Apex. And today, we're taking some of your questions and answering them here on the show. And Dr. Forrest, here's your next question. People want to know, what is the single most important thing that they can do for their health? What will keep me from ending up in a nursing home? Great question. Well, uh, first, I have to give a top five list if I'm going to answer that question, and then I'll give the number one thing that people can do. So I'd say coming in at number five is keeping your blood sugar under good control or or even better in the normal range uh, is even better, and preventing diabetes and keeping your A1C under seven um, if you do have diabetes. Uh, This can prevent amputations, blindness, dialysis, heart disease, and strokes. Um, So keeping your blood sugar under control if you're diabetic is important. And if you're not diabetic, also keeping your blood sugar, you know, as as reasonable as you can is also very valuable. So that's the fifth most important. The fourth most important thing I think you can do uh, for your health is maintaining or getting to a healthy body weight or waist size. You know, a lot of times people will ask me what, what their ideal weight should be and you know, those height weight charts really aren't that good. And the BMI calculation for body mass index is also not that great. Uh, you know, according to that, Peyton Manning was a beast and we know, you know, he had a 32 waist and he was six foot five. Um, so a good rule of thumb, uh, that I like to go by is keeping your waist size at your belly button at less than or equal to half your height in inches. So as an example, if you're six foot tall, that's 72 inches, and half of 72 inches is 36. So that means if you can fit comfortably into size 36 pants and you're six feet tall, then your weight's probably good enough in terms of your health. So again, you want your waist size comfortably to be at or less than half of your height in inches. Um, you know, and the that's that's probably one of the most important things you can do. It's, it's you hear it all the time about keeping your weight down, but I think that's that's definitely the fourth most important. 
And then third on the list, again, this is something you hear from doctors all the time, is exercise. Um, tons of studies show that 150 minutes per week of aerobic activity, meaning getting your heart rate into your target heart rate zone, can prevent all kinds of disease and keep you more functional as you age as well. Um, so since I brought up target heart rate zone, just an easy way to calculate that is take 220 and subtract your age from that, and then you want 65% of that. So, for example, you know, somebody in their 40s, uh, that might be, you know, a, a heart rate of around 120, um, and it just goes up from there the younger you are, and of course, the older you get, it kind of comes down. But again, 65% multiplied times 220 minus your age will give you sort of that aerobic heart rate zone you want to get into. Uh, so exercise is very important. Uh, one of the things that I heard recently was that for every minute you exercise, you add two minutes to your life. So uh, you're definitely getting a lot of bang for the buck out of, uh, you know, the, the third most important thing on the list. Now, the second most important thing might, might surprise people because we've already talked about weight loss and exercise and blood sugar. But the second most likely thing on the list to keep you healthy is keeping your cholesterol controlled. The most common reason that people die prematurely or end up in a nursing home has to do with blockages in arteries that can cause strokes and heart attacks. And many people don't realize that as much as half of all people who get dementia or what some people would call memory loss or Alzheimer's type, type conditions is actually caused by blockages in the brain. And, and so if you can keep your cholesterol controlled, uh, you know, if you can do it with diet, that's terrific. If you can't control your cholesterol with your diet, then using medication to get it down where your doctor says your goal is, is ideal. Uh, but really the second most important thing you can do for your health and for trying to stay functional as you age is keeping your cholesterol at goal. And so now, without a drum roll, uh, the number one most important thing that you can do for your health and the most, the number one bang for the buck thing you can do to keep yourself from ending up in a nursing home, to keep yourself from uh, early death or um, disability, is controlling your blood pressure. In fact, in one study, blood pressure was at least twice as powerful as controlling cholesterol, and that was the number two most important thing. Even 10 extra points of blood pressure can double your stroke risk. Uh, in fact, most types of cardiovascular events double with every 10 points of blood pressure over 119 over 79. So if there is one thing you can do for, to keep healthy, it's keeping your blood pressure in the 120s or less on average, but definitely under 140 maximum. All right. Thanks, Dr. Forrest. Straight ahead, our Access Health Radio's Trivia of the Week. Welcome back to Access Health Radio with board-certified family physician, Dr. Brian Forrest. Dr. Forrest, it's time for our Access Health Trivia of the Week. Well, you know, I thought it'd be appropriate since we're talking about questions and how people get their questions answered uh, to talk about uh, sort of a, a recent study. So according to a new study, about 80% of people that use the Internet or about 93 million Americans have searched for a health-related topic online. Uh, so lots and lots of people are actually turning online to get their medical information. And that can be actually really useful. I would tell people to stick to, you know, reputable sites, things like WebMD and things like that. Mayo Clinic has a great website. Um, but more and more people, 93 million Americans in a year are searching for health-related topics. So that's how a lot of people are getting their questions answered. All right. Well, we got a lot of questions answered right here today, but that's all the time we have, Dr. Forrest. 
And hopefully uh, people will be able to use the information and answers to those questions that uh, folks have been interested in, and that can make you a better health consumer. Uh, today, our uh, scripture is from Matthew 7. Uh, it says, For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Thanks for listening to the Access Health Radio Show, and we look forward to joining you again next Sunday at 4 p.m. Until then, God bless your health.